What is? What is? What is? What is biblical counseling? Biblical counseling will grow you from brokenness to wholeness. The light bulbs are going off in my head. <laughs> this is like deep. I just haven't thought of it that way. It's mind blowing to me. I don't know if I've ever had anybody put it that plainly to me before. All this time I've been going to church, this never resonated with me. This is Transformed. And now your host, Assistant Professor of Biblical Counseling at the Masters University and Certified Biblical Counselor, Dr. Greg Gifford. Welcome back to Transformed. My name is Dr. Greg Gifford, and I have the privilege of being your host for both the TV show and also for this current series. Today, we're going to be talking about our next principle of communication, which is speaking truth. Now, we've been reviewing biblical principles for communication, principles that should inform why we speak, what we say when we actually speak, how we engage in listening to others. And in past episodes, I taught on the importance of your words. Why do your words really matter? In the end, the answer is that your words matter because they represent what's happening inside of you, and they're often showing what you really are worshiping, loving, wanting. But then we moved from the theoretical to some of the practical. Good communication is going to be built upon good listening. In biblical counseling, we will use four principles of communication. I've seen some use five principles of communication. And listening is one of those key principles where we are not just listening so that a person can get it off their chest and we are actually not paying attention to what they're saying. Uh, we're not just hearing them, but we're actually seeking to understand what they say. The scripture speaks about being a person of understanding. And that understanding does take in part good listening skills that you're listening and you're seeking to understand what people are saying when they talk to you. Today, we're going to talk about what you actually say when you speak. So if you have a Bible, and I hope that you do, I would encourage you to grab it and let's open up to Ephesians 4. You see, out of the biblical counseling principles for communication, there's either number one or number two, depending on how you're counting them. Number one is to listen, listen to understand. Number two is to be honest. You're supposed to speak truth when you actually speak. You see, we assume upon that at times, but in the scripture, truth is intimately connected to the maturity of the body of Christ. In Ephesians 4, Paul is speaking about how the body of Christ builds itself up. Part of that is through the different offices that have been given to the body of Christ, apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, that those offices, those people filling those offices are intended to help contribute to the maturity of the body of Christ. That we also see in verse 15 of chapter 4 that the way that you and I interact with each other helps contribute to the maturity of the body of Christ. And that looks like this, verse 15. Rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body is joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. You and I contribute to the maturity of the church. So when you're a part of a church and it's maybe not doing the best, or you're part of a church that doesn't feel like it's the healthiest, you have to, you have to pause and think to yourself that you are contributing to the health of that church, of the overall church, because God uses people to build up the church itself. 
And how does he use them? In their communication, what they say, you are to speak the truth and you are to do that in love. Well, this emphasis on speaking the truth is what is to fill your words. To speak is not to where I just have falsehoods or it's not to where I have exaggerations, but I'm actually speaking things that are truthful. Now, some of you might hear that immediately and and your mind might go to something like, I need to speak the Bible or I need to confront people. And the reality is that, yes, you may at times have to confront people. That's Matthew 18. Uh, There is the Galatians 6, you know, where we catch someone that is in a sin. Uh, Yes, there are times when confrontation is necessary. Uh, There's also the Bible as truth. Absolutely. We want to emphasize that the Bible is true truth and it is authoritative truth. But does this mean that I'm just reading the Bible to people? Well, consider this, that when you're speaking truth, the Bible is part of what you're saying, but you're willing to bring God's perspective, God's word, God's will into that conversation. And it doesn't always mean that I'm confronting a person. It may mean that I'm just reminding them about the promises of God. Or it may mean that I remind them about the nature of God and what he's doing in their circumstance or what he typically does in circumstances like these. So no, I'm not necessarily opening up the Bible to Revelation chapter 2 and reading a chapter to them, but I am reminding them of the truths of Scripture that God has told us about. Look at verse 25 of this same chapter. You're going to see communication emphasized again. Verse 25 says, Therefore, having put away falsehood, Let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Now go to verse 29. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. Verse 15, verse 25, verse 29, they're all about communication. A big part of a Christian's walk is the way that they communicate. So when James says that the perfect person is the one that can bridle their tongue, that's a heavy emphasis on your communication representing your walk with Christ. Now, speaking the truth here is an integral and foundational step for your communication. I've met with many people in the counseling context, and I've yet to meet with a couple or meet with an individual, and they say something like this, hey, Dr. Gifford, we actually think A godly relationship that is healthy and strong is built upon lies, uh, deceit, and falsehood. (laughs) I've never experienced that. I've never experienced it yet. I'm sure there will be that one-off case, but no one believes that. Even those that would not be a follower of Christ know that when we lie to each other, it's actually destructive. Yet, at times, we don't always see the emphasis to speak, first of all. Let me talk about this for a second. We just blaze right through to what we're about to say, but consider the emphasis that you are to speak, verse 15. Verse 25, you're to put off falsehood, and what are you to do? You're to speak the truth. Now, some of us, we are not the most vocal individuals. In fact, we would probably love to just have like our book and some headphones and be quiet somewhere. It's not always easy for us to talk. We have to die to ourselves to actually speak. And when we're in group environments, it's overwhelming. And we're like, sheesh, let me crawl under a rock so I do not have to talk in this group. There are those of us that we don't really enjoy speaking. We're quieter. Uh, If you want to call yourself a type B, an introvert, whatever that is. And yet there are others that 
like you don't mind speaking at all. You would speak on behalf of everybody in the room. If we were talking about time of possession like we did last episode, then you would have the time of possession by far because you love to speak. You love to chat. You would be a chatty person. Well, we we have to emphasize that in between those two tendencies that we may have, you have to speak. You have to die to yourself and speak. People cannot read your minds. Good communication entails that you're willing to volunteer information and to actually speak. So that that's going to go against certain tendencies that we may have. Certain tendencies to withdraw from a conversation or to shut down from a person. Maybe you've had the silent treatment from someone in your life. You know, that that silent treatment looks something like this, where we get mad at each other and then they just shut down and they stop talking to us. And we know that there's a cooling period. Maybe it's an hour, maybe it's a day, but we know there's a cooling period. Well, you see, the silent treatment isn't really biblical because you recognize that you do have a command to speak and you have a command to talk. So I'm not serving others well if I'm silent. Have you ever thought about that? You're like, yeah, right. Tell that to my kids. They serve me well when they're silent. Well, well, hang on. Yes, there are times when you just need a break and you would like to unwind. But I'm saying that communication that is godly and helpful, it's constructive. It entails that you're speaking. It entails that you're willing to talk. The silent treatment isn't a fair way for me to actually communicate because I'm holding back what God's calling me to do and engaging in communication with another person. So that command to speak is a command that I actually say something. You can't read my mind. I can't punish you by withholding my words. I'm not going to let two days go by and you're just thinking like, hey, Dr. Gifford, are we talking yet? Are we talking now? Is tonight the night? Are we talking now? Is it this morning, the morning? Rather, I see that, you know what? Even though I may be upset at you, even though I'm not excited to communicate on all occasions, I have to see that part of my responsibility is to actually speak. I got to die to myself to speak. A foundational understanding of communication is that you're willing to volunteer information, to step up, to speak, and to be willing to say things that that are truthful. So we're going to take a short commercial break. And when we come back, I'm going to talk about when you're speaking What is it that you're actually saying in those words? We'll be right back. You know, sometimes we find ourselves struggling with some of the very same issues that Dr. Gifford is addressing here on the Transform Podcast. And if you have a specific question you would like him to address, you can email him at greg at transformed.org. Here's the deal. Though you can ask him any question you'd like to ask... Be pithy and also include your name, though you can request that he call you anonymous if he uses your question on the show. Send your questions now to Dr. Gifford at greg at transformed.org. Hello, this is Dr. Gifford. Would you please consider supporting our ministry financially so we can continue to bring you Transformed? We would love to produce even more programs that show how the Bible can straighten out our crooked thinking and conform us more to the image of Christ. But we can't do that without you. Your financial support will allow us to continue creating Transformed to reveal how amazing grace is. If you're interested, you can do that at transformed.org. Hello, this is Dr. Dale Johnson. If you struggle with an issue, any emotional issue, we would like to help you. There are thousands of certified biblical counselors at biblicalcounseling.com. 
please visit our site and find a biblical counselor who will walk alongside you to help you overcome your struggles. We would be honored. Quick question, how much do you actually know about the Masters University and everything they have to offer? Because they have quite a bit that you may not even know about. They offer accredited undergrad, master's, and doctoral degrees in biblical counseling, plus they have over 150 additional programs. You can find out more about their in-person or online programs by spending some time at masters.edu. You can also drop into the campus for a visit. I know they'd love to spend the day with you introducing you to the Masters University. Welcome back to Transform. The Bible would tell us that OCD is not a disorder. It is the fruit of wrong believing and wrong theology. And now your host, Dr. Greg Gifford. Okay, welcome back. We've been talking about speaking and the biblical foundations for communication being that at times I have to say, look, quietness comes easy to me, but healthy and godly communication is not founded upon the silent game. So what are you actually doing when you talk? Well, you're speaking truth here. In verse 15 and verse 25 of Ephesians 4, both are emphasizing that falsehood is not indicative of a Christian. Falsehood shouldn't mark our words. When you speak, you should not be false. You should not represent things falsely. Now, let's tease that out. I want to park there for a second because, again, remember what I said earlier in the episode that there are many people that are like, of course, you should not lie to each other like that. We learned that in kindergarten. Okay, but let's also talk about withholding the truth for a second. When I am talking about lying, for sure, no way, falsehood. But when you withhold information that another person should know, we're now encroaching upon falsehood. You know that your spouse should be aware of that information and you did not tell them. Okay, like, are we lying? Well, technically, I didn't say anything, Dr. Gifford. Well, okay, yes, you technically did not say anything, but you withheld information that you knew they should be aware of. So you're still being deceitful to a certain level. Withholding information is an example of this. Think of exaggerations. Have you ever been in a conversation and everybody's got like this awesome, exciting war story and you're like, ooh, well, I have kind of like something similar, but it really wasn't that cool. But I'm going to tell them about it and I'm going to exaggerate what really happened in that scenario to kind of make them think like, yeah, Dr. Gifford is awesome. Wow, way to go. So I, I exaggerate the truth just a wee bit. And the wee bit exaggeration is in fact false. And that's not exactly what happened in the scenario. Well, on that occasion, I am speaking falsehood. I'm misrepresenting, knowingly misrepresenting what happened in that circumstance. That's falsehood. So exaggerations are an example of falsehood. Withholding information is an example of falsehood. White lies, little white lies here and there. Now, around every Christmas season, you're wrestling with the moral legitimacy of telling your kids that Santa ain't coming, or you're wrestling with the moral legitimacy of hiding purchases for that special someone in your life. 
when we talk about white lies, at times it seems like it's those benign things that don't really seem to have consequence. And so it's okay because it's not a really big deal. Yet those white lies are, they're dangerous because those white lies start to become unchecked. But regardless of the result of them, I'm, I'm misrepresenting the truth. I have to be really careful whenever I'm doing those things because I'm now entering into not I'm trying to surprise you with a gift land, but into if this is a pattern of my communication, then I'm being deceitful and false to the truth. There's falsehood. Uh, let me give you one more example of falsehood that probably represents um, a kind of like a woe is us mentality. In, in our recounting of stories, oftentimes we will recount a story and we will omit significant details to make ourselves look like the victim. We'll do something like this. I was in line the other day and this lady just turned around and started yelling at me. And I'm like, lady, what is your problem? And then our friend's like, yeah, oh my goodness, what a crazy person. Yeah, tell me about it. But I didn't actually mention that I was being loud on the phone for 15 minutes. And then I walk up to the line being loud on the phone still. And then the lady in front of me turns around and lets me have it. You see, when I recount a situation, at times I omit details to make you rally with me. And then you're saying, yeah, wow, how wrong. What a crazy lady in front of you in the grocery store. And I'm like, yeah, I know, totally crazy. But I didn't tell you that I agitated her and I kind of instigated why she would turn around and let me have it. When I omit details in recounting situations, I'm speaking falsely. I, I have to see that I reconstructed that narrative to make me the victim so you would ally with me. Okay, uh, now you would all say, no way, lies, no, no one, no one should lie to each other. But at times we reconstruct stories to where we're the victim or we elaborate and just make the details a little bit more than what really happened. Again, we're getting back to falsehood. Do not speak falsehood, but rather speak the truth. Be a person that is willing to speak the truth because that's A, what honors the Lord, but that it, it B, is what builds up your brother and sister in Christ. Speaking the truth doesn't mean you're confronting people. It doesn't mean that you're reading the Bible to them all the time. It doesn't mean that when they ask you about a sports game, you begin to quote Psalm 100 to them. It doesn't mean that. It just means that your speech is filled with truth. What is truth? Jesus asks. God's word is truth. Your, your words, your communication are filled with thoughts about God. It's filled with his word. It's filled with the truths of scripture. That generally speaking, what you're saying is accurate and representative of what God says. And you're doing that in a way that is at times going to be like super appreciated and people are like, oh my goodness, thank you for speaking the truth to me. And there are other times when the truth is not the easy thing to say. And you know that a person may not be the most excited to hear it. But because you want to please the Lord and develop godly biblical communication, you speak the truth anyways. There are times when it would be immediately easier to lie to this person, whomever we're speaking to. Your boss comes into your office and says, hey, did you get it done? And you're like, uh, yes. And then you're like, oh no, shoot. They leave real quick and you try to get it done. 
in that situation, it's easier to immediately lie, but you know that it's wrong for you to lie. So you say, you know what? I didn't get it done, but I will get it done right now. I'm sorry for that. I'm speaking the truth even when it's not easy, when it's not immediately appreciated. You see, when you make such a declaration, so to speak, that no matter what's happening, that I'm going to be a truthful person, it's actually a very liberating place to be. It's liberating because I'm just going to speak the truth. And it doesn't mean I'm a cowboy for Jesus, but I don't have to, con- I don't have to hide anything. I don't have to like, remember, okay, what did I tell them? Oh, yes. It's like, no, I just speak the truth and I'm free in that. Some of us have concocted this false reality of lies. And then now we have to live within this ornate labyrinth of lies that we've created. And it's like, what a burden you must be in to continue to live in this false reality of lies that you've constructed. You're covering your tracks. You're trying to remember what you've told one person and on and on this labyrinth continues to develop. Speak the truth and you're free. You're free before the Lord. You're free to serve others. You're free to know that, you know, this person may appreciate me speaking the truth right now, or this may not be the most exciting part of their day, but yet I'm still going to speak the truth in this situation. So this first principle is to speak truth, to be honest. Let me make one last emphasis out of this. Let me tell you about my time in Boston. Oof. Some of you are listening to this and you're from the Northeast. You guys are going to know exactly what I'm talking about. Now, I am a Southern man, which means that we say yes, sir, and no, ma'am, and we're typically pretty non-confrontational. But my first semester of college was in Boston. That's right, right in the middle of New England. And I decided to go in the spring semester, which meant I showed up in January in New England. And let me tell you, that was a life changer. I don't recall being that cold before in my life, and I still don't recall being that cold. I'm not even aware of what a single digit temperature means. Sorry for those of you in the northern Midwest. But when I show up in Boston, there was this mentality of like, hey, I'm just being honest. And so a person would say something and just kind of like wham you with it. Boom. Hey, I'm just being honest. And it's like, yeah, you are. It kind of felt like you had... Thor's hammer and you smashed me with that thing. And now you're, you were honest. That was a truthful thing to say that you hate my clothes because you think they're ugly, but it wasn't necessarily the most edifying and uplifting thing to say today. So honesty and truthfulness in the scripture, they're couched in love. Verse 15 of chapter four in Ephesians, it says, speak the truth. Some of us love to speak the truth. We're like, we will speak the truth to strangers. Hey, lady, get a hold of your kid. We'll speak the truth for sure, but uh, we have to remember that speaking the truth is to be couched in love. Some of us are really big on love. We enjoy the loving aspects. We don't want to upset people. Uh, we're typically very gentle and gracious, and to speak truth, we have to really die to ourselves to say something that might be hard to hear. We have to speak truth, and those of us that maybe love to speak truth will speak truth to total strangers. We have to recognize that the call here is to do so in a loving way, that your truth, when spoken in an unloving way, is still unbiblical communication. 
when you are that Thor's hammer of truth and smash people with it, guess what? It's wrong still because you can say truthful things in unloving ways and that still be wrong. So if you're not motivated by a desire to do good to this person when speaking in in truthful ways, then you might just need to hang on to what you're preparing to say. Because I am called to speak truth. I am called to be honest. That's foundational. But that is always going to be seasoned with love, or as Colossians 4 says, seasoned with grace. So we've covered this main aspect of what it means for you to speak and to speak in a way that is actually truthful. But I've ended by saying, you do speak truth, but you're not Thor with his hammer. You are to speak truth in a way that is loving. And when you do so, that will be the foundation upon which good communication is going to be built. Let me pray for you guys that this would be so. Lord, thanks for the fact that we can speak and that you use our words to build others up in their faith. You use other people's words to build us up in our faith. May we genuinely be folks that are committed to speaking truth because we love you and we want to honor you and we want to do good to others. And in different contexts, as the listeners are hearing this, they'll inevitably be tempted to speaking falsehood. May they be reminded that foundational to good communication is that we are willing to speak truth because we want to honor you. So help us do this, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Hello, I'm Dr. Dale Johnson, Executive Director of the Association of Certified Biblical Counselors. We've partnered with Gospel Partners Media to bring you this groundbreaking new series, Transform. If you've benefited from watching this series, would you please consider supporting our ministry financially so we can continue to bring you this series and others like it? Thank you. We all want unity and harmony with those around us, but it can often seem like conflict and disagreement are unavoidable. Ken Sand will take you beyond resolving conflicts to true reconciliation. Available now at transformed.org.